This is Rabbi Sharon Brous, Rabbi Yedikar, where we are dedicated to reinvigorating Jewish community, ritual, and learning, all while laying the foundation for a just and loving society. You're listening to Ikar's sermons and talks, just the good stuff. We hope you'll enjoy. Thank you for your support. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. I know it's very, very warm outside. So if at any point, you know, you're feeling lightheaded or anything, please fill up on water, refill, take care of yourselves. We have a hot day here. I knew Grandma Gittel through her blankets, her thick, colorful crocheted lap blankets, because they draped every cushion and filled every closet of my childhood home because you couldn't get rid of a Grandma Gittel. And then there were the sweaters, which really never quite fit. But uh, we all still waited for it to be our turn with these family hand-me-downs. She left Belarus when she was 16, but apparently keeping warm never stopped being a priority. She passed away when I was two, so I have no memories of her. Only pictures, the annual trip to the grave, and of course, her crocheted fingertips throughout our house all flat representations of a life that seemed so different from my own. Gittel passed away on the 7th of Adar, which so happens to be an auspicious day for a yard site, just three days from now. And so every year, the scene in our home <laughs> unfolded something like this. Dad, you know, it's Grandma Gittel's yard site tonight. Mom, yeah, and Moshe Rabenu too. So it was clear, Moses shared a yard site with my great grandmother, not the other way around. But, but still, but still, the candle, the, the candle burned for both. 3,000 years of history separating the two collapsed into a single shadow, a shadow we live in that informs and shapes and directs our present. It's simultaneously obvious and hidden, the impact of the past on the present. From the great inflection points in history to the core characters of our collective and personal histories, we are where and who we are in large part because of who came before us. Yard sites and the death of a loved one open the window to the past and the air comes rushing in. Would we be gathered here without Moshe Rabbein? So tempting as it may be to dismiss the question with a, a critical historical wave of the hand, I wanna invite you into a different mode of thinking, imaginative, reflective, romantic. Who would we be if not for an Egyptian prince whose conscience ripped him from the palace, whose sensitivity to flames in the wilderness brought him into relationship with the divine, whose courage brought us the model to challenge tyranny? Who would we be if not for this flawed and impatient leader who walked with us as far as he could, who translated divine encounter into laws and teachings to live by, whose Torah we lift and kiss and protect? But we aren't just shaped by the past. It isn't a one-way street, dead ending in the present. We continue to be in active relationship with our loved ones, even after they die. And I know it's not easy. 
often it's painful. And the gap between the living and deceased may feel impossibly wide. And yet, working to maintain the connection is what our tradition asks of us. When we say zichronam livracha, may their memories endure as a blessing, we, we carry a responsibility to be stewards of that blessing. Caring for the deceased means advancing their core values, their life work and dreams. It means asking what did they care about and how can I keep that love reverberating in the world? It means wondering what would mom say when we're lost and then listening for her voice. And that's true of our relationship with Moshe Rabbeinu or Grandma Gittel or any of our loved ones. There's this incredible teaching in the Talmud, which imagines Moshe observing the Holy One, attaching crowns to the letters of the Torah, scribal flourishes that in Moshe's understanding, they seem superfluous. Why are you delaying the giving of the Torah for these flourishes? And God responds that generations from now, a sage by the name of Akiva ben Yosef would come along and derive mounds and mounds of new teachings from these crowns. So Moshe demands to meet him. And no later, Moshe is sitting in Rabbi Akiva's classroom and he doesn't understand a word of what's being taught. Moshe, the greatest prophet in our tradition, lost in a discussion about Torah. But when the students asked Rabbi Akiva from where he derived a particular teaching, he responded, This law was given to Moshe at Mount Sinai. And Moshe was relieved. Why? Because he understood at that moment that his descendants were still in conversation with him that they sought to understand what their great, great, great grandfather had taught. They're advancing, evolving his life's work. And even if it's foreign in certain respects, the relationship has not been broken. And every Friday before sundown, Grandma Gittel and her husband Robert would empty the change from their pockets and place it in the tzedakah box, as my parents do, as my family does, in a way Gittel is still giving through our hands. But it isn't only on us as individuals to care for our loved ones after they die. Community can and should play a crucial role, at times holding responsibilities that are too much for the recently bereaved to manage. We form a network of obligation to each other's deceased collective stewardship of both the living and the dead. Jewish mourning rituals express this value so clearly and poignantly. At funerals, each of us place earth on the coffin. We create two rows for the mourners to walk through a physical and symbolic way of saying, we're holding you. We show up for Shiva to share and uplift memory, to feed and comfort, to create space, for grief, and we honor the long journey of loss with daily re-entry into community to recite Mourner's Kaddish. We carry these responsibilities together. And within our community, this community, we've also formed a Hevra Kaddisha, 
a society of holy friends who step in at one of the most painful and chaotic moments of loss, the time between death and burial. The Hebra Kedisha's work is traditionally referred to as Chesed Shel Emet, the truest form of loving kindness, love that cannot be repaid, love that expects nothing in return. And today is a fitting day to uplift the work of the Hebra Kedisha because the seventh of Adar doesn't just belong to Gittel or Moshe, it's traditionally a day to acknowledge the sacred service of the Hebra Kedisha. Our tradition teaches that no humans were involved with Moshe's burial. God alone took care of this moment. But Moshe, of course, is the exception. The seventh of Adar stands out to remind us of this critical role these dedicated volunteers play in caring for the deceased, and by extension, the bereaved and the wider community. Thus far, our Hevra has stepped in for Shmira and Tahara. Both operate in two realms, the spiritual and physical. Our Shomrim guard the body and soul accompanying the deceased in this liminal moment. Whether virtually or at the mortuary, Shomrim sit in shifts, opening their hearts in prayer and meditation, holding the image of the deceased with intentionality, love, and compassion. Our tradition believes that the soul's journey back to its source takes time. And the loving presence of the Hevra guides the soul in this transition. And our Hevra has more recently learned the practice of Tahara, the preparation of the body for burial. This ritual centers around the washing and cleansing of the body of the deceased, the dressing dressing the deceased in burial garments and the placement of the body in the casket, all accompanied by sacred prayer. The defining value of this space is kvod hamet, maintaining the dignity of the deceased through modesty, through gentle touch and focus. In a community Hevra Kadisha like our own, it's often the case that a member of the Tahara team knew the deceased and is able to share a story or image of who this person was in life. Now, I wanna say that the work of the Hever Kadisha isn't for everyone, and that's okay. Right? As Addison beautifully taught us this morning, sacred space is built through a, a wide spectrum of gifts. And there are 80 people in this community who have already joined which is a tremendous blessing and testament to the goodness of this community. And we're still learning, still growing in the next month. Please keep an eye out for, for further opportunities to learn more about our Hever Katisha. And we hope that you'll join this society of holy friends. There's much more to say about this Hevra than our time permits, but I wanna close with one piece of liturgy from Tahara that I feel powerfully illustrates our belief that we continue to be in relationship with loved ones even after they depart. Tahara opens with these words recited by everyone in the room and directed to the deceased. We ask your forgiveness 
for any distress we may cause you during Tahara. We will do everything possible to ensure that you are treated with respect and that all the elements of Tahara are properly completed. Everything we're about to do is for the sake of your honor. And it, it's not only the dedication to service and humility of these words that are so profound. It's the second person, the you that we're speaking to. It's the belief that even though the relationship is fundamentally different than when you were living, we're still in relationship. We hold that connection as individuals and as community livracha as a blessing. May we walk with and be accompanied by those who came before us. Shabbat Shalom. Hi, it's Rabbi Brous again. Thank you so much for listening. Want more content like this? I hope you'll subscribe and please consider making a contribution to Ikar so we can continue to work toward the fulfillment of our mission to reanimate Jewish life, to embody moral courage, to nurture the spirit, and to work to decipher what it means to be a human being in the world today. Visit our website at ikar.org. That's I-K-A-R.org. And I hope to see you maybe even in person sometime soon.